help all of us to be attentive. Lord, help my mind to be clear. Lord, I know that we all have so many things going on, especially in the middle of the week. But I pray for the next few moments that you just help us to be in tune to your word, Lord, that we could leave here and have maybe learned something or maybe uh, just be refreshed on on something we already know, but that uh, we would leave here, Lord, and we would grow and we'd mature. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Exodus chapter number 12. And if you remember from last week, we kind of dealt with Exodus 12 a little bit, and I did that on purpose. Exodus 11 and Exodus 12 both deal with the 10th plague. And Exodus 11 only has, what was it, 10 verses? Exodus 12, as you can tell, has 51 verses. So last week, I dealt mainly with the 10th plague and, and the events that happened there. And, uh, and we, we went through Exodus 11 and we jumped ahead a little bit in Exodus 12. So I'm not going to deal with that again. Uh, I want to focus on one thing in, in this chapter, and this is the establishment of the Passover. And I want to, uh, I'm going to, I guess it's going to be very much a study tonight. Uh, I know that everyone's going to like to study, but you know, uh, I, I, wa- I want to go through and show you exactly how this Passover was established, the purpose, and all of that. And, I, and tonight's going to be a little different. I've got a handout that I want to hand out. I'm going to ask for the, uh, Vincent if you would come up and help me with this. And uh, I'm handing you something that, so you can see it. It's going to be easier for you if you just give one to everyone. Um, well, at least every adult. I think we have enough for everyone. But um, I, I want you to be able to see it. Uh, I think it will make more sense. And uh, I handed out something like this last year when I preached a similar sermon around Passover time. And... Uh, but this is a newer one. It's just a little more revised, a little more information on it. Um, I corrected some mistakes that were brought to my attention. And uh, let me ask you a favor. If you find a, if, if you see a, a word misspelled or something that's not right, do me a favor. Grab a 3 by 5 card and write it down. And then deposit it. We've got a canister back there just by, by the kitchen. Big white uh, canister. It looks like a garbage can, but don't worry. It's not. Just deposit it in there, and I'll make sure it goes where it needs to. And I'm glad that somebody got the joke. But uh, Exodus chapter 12, and I just want to uh, go through and explain a few things to you. And, uh, and maybe you can learn uh, a little bit about this. Exodus chapter 12. Now, just real quickly, because I want you to understand a few things. Keep your finger there in Exodus 12 and go back to Genesis chapter number 1. Genesis chapter number 1. And I want you to understand a few things uh, in the Bible. If you see that first... The whole thing here uh, is the Passover of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're looking at the at the front of the page, you've got uh, a timeline of the Passover and the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, if you look at that first column there on the left, it shows our modern 24-hour day versus the Old Testament Jews' 24-hour day. And I want you to understand a couple of things. And you you have to understand how the timeline works. For all of this to make sense to you, and if you're in Genesis chapter number 1, I want you to skip down to verse number 5. Now Genesis 1 is obviously when God created the heavens and the earth. But there's a few things we can learn about the, the, the schedule of days from Genesis chapter 1. If you look at verse number 5, the Bible says, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. 
And I want you to notice this terminology. He says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Do you see that? And the Bible says, the evening and the morning were the first day. Now skip down to verse number 8 there in Genesis 1. The Bible says, and God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Skip down to verse number uh, 13. It says, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Skip down to verse 19. It says, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Look at verse number 25 in the same chapter. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and God saw that it was good and that's not the verse I wanted good night uh, 23 23 and the evening and the morning were the fifth day look at verse number 31 last verse in the chapter and God saw that everything that he had made and behold it was very good and I want you to make note of this phrase and the evening and the morning were the sixth day for the Old Testament Believers in the Old Testament Jews, and the way God established uh, a schedule of the week, you need to understand that the days in the Old Testament began in the evening, alright? They had a 24-hour day, 12 hours of darkness that began at 6 p.m. or at sundown. That's when, when the sun went down, they considered that the end of one day and the beginning of a new day. And that's why all throughout Genesis 1, you find God saying the evening and the morning were the first day, or the evening and the morning with the second day, and the evening is talking about that uh, 12 hour period of darkness, and then the morning would be that the entire uh, 12 hour period of, of, uh, of daylight there. So if you look down at the column there, it says uh, Saturday from 6 p.m. to Sunday from 6 p.m. is what they considered the first day of the week. Today in America, uh, based on our, our terminology, the day begins in the middle of the night. At midnight, in the middle of the night, is when we would say, so today is Wednesday, at midnight tonight would begin Thursday. For the, for the Old Testament believers there, the Old Testament Jews, Thursday would have began at 6 p.m. So they're just six hours ahead of what we would consider. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So you've got Saturday, 6 p.m. to Sunday, 6 p.m. is the first day of the week. The first day of the week is Sunday for us. Uh, Sunday from 6 p.m. to Monday, 6 p.m., you've got the second day of the week. Monday, 6 p.m. to Tuesday, 6 p.m., you've got the third day of the week. Tuesday, 6 p.m., Wednesday, 6 to Wednesday, 6 p.m., you've got the fourth day. Wednesday, 6 p.m. to Thursday, 6 p.m., you've got the fifth day. Thursday, 6 p.m. to Friday, 6 p.m., you've got the sixth day. Friday, 6 p.m. to Saturday, 6 p.m. is the seventh day, the end of that week. And Saturday at 6 p.m., Till Sunday 6 p.m. is their first day of the week. So their week begins for, if you're basing it on our schedule, their week begins when we would consider Saturday 6 p.m. And that's, I want you to understand that, and that's why I put that there. There's their day versus our day, and they're, it's, they're both 24-hour periods, but they go from evening to morning. The day ends at sundown, that, at, sun, uh, at sunset, that's when the day ends. A new day begins at 6 p.m., and, and that's how they go, as opposed to us. So you've got to understand that. Now, if you go back to Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter number 12, you can begin to uh, study a little bit of the Passover. And you remember from last week that Pharaoh forced the hand of God. And Pharaoh said to Moses, the next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. And God, he forced his hand. God had to deal with an extreme with Pharaoh. And we, I'm not going to go through it again, but we talked about it last week. How the plan, before Moses ever came to Egypt... 
God already knew that he was going to have to kill his son to get him to do what he wanted. And he went through those nine plagues anyway, not as a punishment, but really as a form of grace and mercy, giving him nine different chances to change his mind, nine different chances to do right. But when Moses forced the hand of God, God moved to that tenth plague, which he already had planned, which he had already told Moses that he was going to do before Moses ever left to go to Egypt. And uh, we talked about that already. But with that tenth plague, because you remember, the tenth plague was this, that God would come down, or the angel of the Lord would come down, and that he would kill the firstborn of every house, the firstborn of all the beasts, the firstborn child or son uh, of, of every family would be uh, killed on that night. But God did not, do you, do you remember how we kept studying all throughout the place, how God made a difference between the Israelites and the Egyptians? And God would protect them? Well, God protected them from this plague as well, but this was a little different. God was going to use this plague as a picture to show them uh, about salvation. And the Passover, here's what you got to understand. The Passover that's being established here in Exodus chapter number 12 is really showing us, even in the Old Testament, how Jesus Christ would one day come and die for our sins, and Jesus is our Passover. I want you to just real quickly go with me uh, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. And keep your finger there in Exodus 12 because we're coming right back to it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 in your New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. Look at verse number 7. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump. As ye are unleavened, notice the last part of verse number 7, it says, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So according to the Bible, Jesus Christ is our Passover. So all these things that apply to the Passover in Exodus 12, apply to Jesus Christ. And that's really what I'm trying to show you tonight. Go back to Exodus chapter 12, and let's uh, start looking at a few of these things. Exodus chapter number 12. The first thing I want you to see is that the Passover had both a timeline and requirements, okay? Look at verse number 1, Exodus 12, verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of month, it shall be the first month of the year to you. So, right there, right off the bat, God just started over. He started the calendar over. He said, it doesn't matter what, where in your calendar you are right now. From here on on, this month is the first month. They began a new year as far as God was concerned with the children of Israel. Look at verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth day. Now that's very important. Don't skip through that, alright? Sometimes we, we just read the Bible and skip through all these facts and, and think that there's no importance to them. But the Bible says in verse 3, speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, in the tenth day of this month. What month? The first month. He says, in the tenth day of this month, also known as the month of Abib, it says, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. So, according to the Bible, they were supposed to take a lamb, they were supposed to choose a lamb, on the tenth day of the first month. Look at verse number 5. Oh, look at verse 4, I'm sorry. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your account for the lamb. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it of 
take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and he shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So I want you to understand a few things. On the tenth day of the first month, they were supposed to choose a lamb. Okay, did they choose any lamb? No. They were supposed to choose a specific lamb. Look at verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. So it couldn't have any blemishes. It had to be a healthy, perfect lamb. It couldn't be, it had to be a white lamb. It couldn't have dark spots on it at all. It says, a male of the first year, you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day. So the first thing they did was on the 10th day, they chose... A lamb. You say, well, how does that apply to Jesus Christ? Well, go with me. You've got, all, you've got my outline in front of you. I don't have anything that you don't have. But uh, just go with me to John chapter number 1. And let me just kind of go through these verses and explain this a little bit. And like I said, tonight's going to be more uh, teaching than a lot of yelling and stuff. But who knows, maybe we'll yell a little bit. John chapter 1, look at verse number 29. John chapter 1 and verse 29 just so you understand that Jesus is the Passover. We already saw that uh, verse in 1 Corinthians, but John one twenty nine, the Bible says, And the next day John, John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So we know when Jesus began His earthly ministry, as He began that ministry, when He was going to be baptized by John, John right off the bat identified Him as the Lamb of God. Now here's what you got to understand, and here's where the, the the schedule is very important. The tenth day of the first month was the first day of the week. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was that uh, first day of the week that was, for us, we would consider that a Sunday. Now go with me to, uh, you're there in John chapter 1, go to John chapter number 12. Look at verse number 12. John chapter number 12. And I know this is kind of different. I don't really give out handouts or anything like that. But, um, but it's not a fill in the blank. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> John chapter number 12. I always said, you know a liberal preacher when he hands you a uh, fill in the blank for his sermon. John chapter 12. I'm just kidding. John chapter 12. Well, I'm not, but whatever. John chapter 12. Look at verse 12. Stop confusing me. John 12, 12. Uh, look what it says. John chapter number 12 and verse 12. The Bible says, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now this is what's very commonly known and well known as Palm Sunday. You know, we always have Palm Sunday a week before what? Easter Sunday. Uh, I'm, yeah, Easter Sunday. So, Jesus resurrects on Sunday, and the Sunday before that is Palm Sunday. Now, what you got to understand is all of that fits the schedule. This day, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, and they took these palms, and they, and they did this to Him, this was the tenth day of the first month, and this was Jesus being chosen as that Lamb. At the same time that these people would be preparing for the Passover and would be picking up a physical lamb at this time, choosing a lamb that fit the requirements, and they would find a, a, a white lamb without blemishes, a male. At that same time, Jesus was coming in, and the people, uh, subconsciously or, or however it was, had chosen him as their lamb. And that's why it says in verse 12, on the next day, look at verse 12 again, John 12, 12, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. So when the people chose 
choosing a physical lamb, they were choosing Jesus Christ as their Messiah, the King. Now you've got to understand that they did not understand the office of the Messiah. They thought the Messiah was coming to free them physically. They thought the Messiah was coming to be a physical king, to take the, the burden of Rome off of them and to bring back the nation of Israel. They didn't realize that the Messiah was coming not to take physical bondage, but to take spiritual bondage from them. But they chose the, the Messiah. Keep your finger... Uh, well, actually, don't worry about it. Go back to John chapter 12. They were to choose the Lamb on the tenth day. I often think, you know, the children of Israel, this was a nation that God was dealing with. I often wonder if God had us do it in America, if it would work. You know, these people were just being obedient. They were just doing what God told them today to do. You don't really find anyone arguing with God, and we'll see the children of Israel argue with God a lot as we continue through Exodus. But at this point, you don't really find anybody arguing with God. You don't find anybody, you know, saying, well, I think we should do it this way. Right? Notice they're just doing what God said. They're just following His Word. You know, I, I think to myself, today, today, if God were to speak to us, to some prophet, to, the, to, the, to, the, to America, and say, you know... You've got to pick out a lamb, a white lamb without blemish. I, I could imagine today like the Jesse Jacksons of this world. Just standing up. Well, why, why, can't, why can't someone be black? You know what I'm saying? Like, just that's how our society is. Like, we just argue. No, people don't want to follow the Bible. You preach God's word and they don't want to, you know, the God says, choose a white lamb. And then people would be like, well, why can't someone be black? And then, and then the KKK would be like, well, why can't they just all be black? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, everyone would just be arguing about what to do. But these people are just following Doing what God said, on the tenth day they chose a lamb. You're there in Exodus 12. Look at verse number 5. It says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day. So notice, they're, they're choosing it on the tenth day, and they're keeping it on until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So they're keeping it from the tenth day to the fourteenth day. Now you say, what are they doing? For those days. This is what they're doing. They're examining the lamb. They're making... They, they chose the right lamb. The healthiest lamb. The strongest lamb. The lamb that met the requirements. But then they're going to examine that lamb for those few days. And make sure that this really is the lamb that they're supposed to be sacrificing. Go with me to Luke chapter number 23. Look at verse number 13. Luke chapter number 23. Look at verse number 13. Matthew, Mark, Luke... 23. You say, well, what happened when the Lord Jesus Christ came in on Palm Sunday and they had chosen Him as the King of Israel? What happened for the next few days? Well, what you got to understand is for the next few days they examined the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Luke 23. Look at verse 13. Luke chapter number 23 and verse 13 the Bible says, And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me, as one that perverted the people, and behold, I having, notice the next word, examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things where the accuser. Do you see that? So in the same way that they were to take the lamb, on the tenth day they chose a lamb, based on the requirements, and then they took a few days to the fourteenth day, and they examined that lamb, and they watched that lamb, and they made sure that that lamb really was without blemish, and that that lamb really was the strongest, and the healthiest, and the nicest, and the best. In the same way Jesus Christ, when He came in, they chose Him as a king, but then for the next few days they examined Him. And what happened when they examined the Lord Jesus Christ? They realized that this man was 
and they turned against him, and they judged him. And there is just one example of the multiple times in the Bible when they kept saying, we find no fault in him, he's done nothing wrong, he hasn't said anything controversial, or not controversial, but not, he hasn't said anything contradictory, there's a lot of things that are controversial. He hasn't, he hasn't done it, he doesn't deserve to die. They spent the next few days examining the Lamb of God in the same way they would spend a few days examining the Passover life. And then, go back to Exodus 12, look at verse number 6 again. If you're smart, you keep your finger in Exodus 12. The Bible says, look at verse 6, And ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And I want you to notice these words, And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now my whole life, as I was growing up in church, I had people teach me that... And I'm not, these aren't, they're not bad people or anything, but my whole life I was taught that these people would take a lamb and they would do like a private sacrifice where everybody was just kind of in their house doing this thing. The Bible is very clear that the whole assembly came together. And they, yes, they had a lamb for every house. And we read there a little bit, if the houses were, if the homes were a little too small, then they would have one lamb for a couple of houses. But the whole assembly would come together. And here's when they would come together. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Do you see that? What's the evening? The beginning of the 14th day. So, at 6 p.m. on by our calendar, Wednesday, by their calendar, Thursday, the 14th day, if the 10th day is Monday, the 14th day would be Thursday, at evening, the whole congregation would come together and they would slay and kill this lamb that they've been watching for the last few days that they chose on the 10th day. Are you following me? Go to John chapter number 19. Look at verse number 31. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 19. Look at verse 31. John 19, 31 says this. Now, the 14th day, you got to understand this and we'll see it a little bit here. The 14th day was the Passover. And we'll look at it here in a second. Actually, you know, let's just do this the right way. Go, keep your finger there in John 19. Go to Leviticus chapter number 23. Leviticus chapter 23. Right after the book of Exodus. Leviticus 23. Look at verse number 3. Leviticus 23, verse 3. Did the air conditioning cut off? Mine, is it, is it off? Do you mind just put it real low so it doesn't cut off? Uh, Leviticus 23, look at verse number 3. Thank you, brother, I appreciate it. Leviticus 23, look at verse 3. The Bible says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. Okay? You've got to understand this concept of the Sabbath. And, and it's, it's good if you just get a good idea about the Sabbath right now. Because guess what? Sunday night, I didn't, I didn't do this on purpose, it just kind of worked out this way. Sunday night, we're preaching on the seventh day Adventist. And the seventh day Adventist uh, keep the Sabbath today. And we're going to be talking about why that's wrong and that's false. But... If you understand the Sabbath, it will help you. Look at verse 3. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. If you remember back in Genesis 1, remember when God created the heavens and the earth? The Bible says about God that He labored six days. He labored and He rested on the seventh day. And at that point, God established that the seventh day, which is the Sabbath day, that's what the word Sabbath means. It means seventh. He says that day shall be a day of rest. And He, and he gives that as a law in the Bible. Now we'll talk about why that doesn't apply to New Testament believers on Sunday night, but just kind of keep that in mind. Look at verse uh, uh, number 4. 
he, in verse 3, he establishes the seventh day as the Sabbath day, the day of rest. Verse number 4 says, These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocation, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. In the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. We got that from Exodus 12. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. So, I want you to understand this. In Leviticus 23, and we've kind of dealt with this a little bit before, but I want you to, I want you to get this. Leviticus 23, God is giving us the schedule of holidays for the children of Israel. He says every seventh day is going to be a Sabbath day. But then He tells us the 14th day of the first month, is the Lord's Passover, and the 15th day, the very next day, of the same month, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. I know we've already gone through this before, recently, but I want you to see it again. It's good for you to hear it again, so you can understand it. Sometimes you've got to hear things a few times to, to get it. Now, here's what I want you to understand from that. Skip down to verse number 24 of the same chapter, Leviticus 23, 24. The Bible says, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, ye shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, and holy convocation. Now, hold on a second. Every seventh day is a Sabbath, correct? Do you understand that? But here in verse 24, the Bible tells us, Speak of the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, ye shall have a Sabbath. Now, and this is what I often try to teach people to explain. You've got to acknowledge the difference between a day and a date. You understand what I'm saying by that? A day and a date. The seventh day is a Sabbath. Okay? Uh, just, just to give you an example. Uh, Thanksgiving does not fall on a specific date. You understand what I'm saying? It's the what? The fourth uh, Thursday of every November? Is that what it is? Yeah? Am I right? Yeah. So, the fourth uh, Thursday of every November. That's a specific day. Now, that could fall on any multiple of different days. It's not going to fall on the same... Uh, excuse me, not multiple of different days. It's not going to fall on the same date every year. Do you understand what I'm saying? But uh, Christmas falls on a specific day. December 25th. That could fall on a Monday. could fall on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's going to fall on a different day every year because it's a specific date. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you have a day, Thanksgiving will always be on a Thursday, no matter what. It may be a different date, but it will always be on a Thursday. Christmas will always be on the same date, but it may be a different day. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. In verse 24, he says, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month show, ye have a Sabbath. Okay? Now that's a date, the first day of the seventh month. So in our terminology, that would be the first day of, uh, of July, you know, if we were going to use our calendar. Is that always going to fall on Saturday? No. It may fall on a Saturday at some point, but it will always fall on a different day every year. Because it's a, it's a specific day. But here's what I want you to get from that. It says, verse 24, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, and the first day of the month, ye shall have a Sabbath. So God tells them that they're going to have a Sabbath, okay? But it's going to fall on a specific date, not Day. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they have their Sabbath that falls on the seventh day of every week. But then they have these special Sabbaths that could fall on any day of the week. But when they do fall, the first day of the seventh month is always a Sabbath day. A day of rest. That's a holiday. Look at verse 25. You shall do no servile work therein. 
but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, And also on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement, it shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, and ye shall do no work there in the same day. So here we find another day being established, another date being established, this is the tenth day of the seventh month. Uh, look at uh, verse number 37, in the same chapter. He says, These are the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to, uh, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering, a meat offering, a sacrifice, and drink offering, everything upon His day, besides Verse 38 is a key verse. Beside the Sabbath of the Lord. So here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. He gives them all these feast days. And he says every day that's a feast is going to be a Sabbath besides the regular Sabbath that falls on the seventh day. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Passover was a day that was a holiday, but it was a specific day. It was the tenth day of the first month. Every time the Passover happened, that day was a Sabbath day. You say, well, what if it fell on a Tuesday? It was a Sabbath. What if it fell on Wednesday? It was a Sabbath. What if it fell on Thursday? It was a Sabbath. It didn't matter what day it fell on, that day was always a Sabbath. But not only that, look up, go back to verse 5 in Leviticus 23 before we go to John 19. In the 14th day of the first month, at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is a feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. So you've got the Passover on the 14th day, a Sabbath. And then directly after that, you've got the 15th day, which is a feast of unleavened bread. And that's a holiday, so it's a Sabbath also as well. You with me? Go to John chapter... It doesn't matter if you're with me or not. We're moving on. John chapter 19. Look at verse 31. John 19, look at verse 31. Now, and I'm just going to talk about this for a little bit, because I'm going to run out of time. Now, uh, there's a false teaching that's promoted by the Roman Catholic Church, but I know a lot of Baptists and a lot of people who call themselves Christians who follow this, but there's a teaching that, uh, that Jesus died on a Friday. Who's ever heard of Good Friday? Where all these Catholics give up their Lent or whatever. You know, I don't even know what they do. But, um, you know, Good Friday, supposedly when Jesus died. Now, the reason they get that idea is because they believe that Jesus, the Bible is very clear on this, had to be taken off the cross before the Sabbath day. You're there in John, 19, uh, John chapter 19. Look at verse uh, number 31. John chapter number 19, look at verse number 31. The Bible says, The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation, notice, they were preparing, because of the preparation, that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. So there the Catholic goes, see, the bodies could not be upon the cross on the Sabbath day. So he died on a Friday, because the Sabbath day is Saturday, the 10th day. But keep reading. See, this is why we have to read the Bible. Every day, read the Bible. Read the whole Bible. The Bible says to study and show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And if you just keep reading John 19, it says, For the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation of the bodies, should not be, remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. Notice what it says in parentheses. For that Sabbath day was not a normal Sabbath day. That Sabbath day was an high day. Do you see that? The day after Jesus died was, yes, a Sabbath day, but it wasn't the regular seventh day. It was a special day. It was a high day. And we know, as you study the Gospels, it was the Passover. Because if you remember, what was Jesus doing on Tuesday night before He died? He was taking the New Testament version of the Passover, which is the Lord's Supper. Jesus died, and He had to be taken off the cross 
before the Passover started, and that day was a Sabbath day. Why am I saying, telling you all that? Well, go back to your little sheet that I gave you. Jesus died not on Good Friday, but on Good Wednesday. <laughs> on Wednesday is when He died. Not Friday. And people say, well, they had to be Friday because He died before the Sabbath. Yeah, but that Sabbath was a high day. Read the book of Leviticus, study your Bible, and you'll see that the seventh day is not the only Sabbath day. And I, and, and I hope you're getting this because it, uh, it'll help me out on Sunday night if you just understand this now. The Sabbath days, were there were special Sabbath days that fell on dates. The day that He had to be taken off the cross was a high day, was a special day. We know it was the Passover. That was a Sabbath day. He couldn't be on the cross. His body couldn't be on the cross on the Sabbath day. Now here's what you got to understand though. Uh, go, go, go to Acts chapter number 2. Look at verse number 23 just to show you the verses. Acts 2.23. Acts 2.23 says, Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Just like on the tenth day of the first month on that Sunday... When people were preparing for the Passover, and they were searching out and choosing a lamb for the Passover, when Jesus, the week of His death, He came in on that tenth day, and they chose Him. They said, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. They chose Him as the lamb at the same time that they were choosing a Passover lamb. Just like they would be examining that lamb for a few days, and making sure that it was the correct Passover lamb. They were examining Jesus Christ, and they were taking Him to courts, and taking Him to judgment halls, and, and, and everybody kept examining and they kept finding out that He was without fault, that He was without sin, that He truly was the Lamb of God. And just like on the 14th day, the whole assembly was to come together and take their Lamb, and slay that Lamb for the Passover, on the 14th day, the entire assembly, congregation of Israel, came together, and they said, crucify Him, crucify Him, and they crucified the Lamb, just like the Passover. Isn't that amazing? Read there, uh, Acts 2.23 again. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel of the foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now here's what you're going to understand. The Passover lamb was slain at evening, or even, sometime between, sometime around Wednesday, 6 p.m., before Thursday started their Sabbath day. Jesus, if, and I don't have time to go through it because it's going to take too long, but if you study the timeline of the cross, Jesus also died and gave up the ghost shortly before 6 p.m., before the Passover started. And that's why in John 19, it says they took him off, they took the bodies off the cross. Remember they wanted to make sure that the bodies were dead because they couldn't be on the cross on the Sabbath? That's why they, said, they asked if their um, bones could be broken to make sure that they died. And when they came to Jesus, they found them already dead. You know what I'm talking about? He gave up the ghost at the right time. They took him off the cross and they put him in the sepulcher. Because it was Passover. At the same time that these people would be killing a lamb, as the Passover lamb for Exodus 12, the Lord Jesus Christ had been slain and put in the grave as the Passover lamb for the New Testament believers. Now, I want you to understand there that the lamb was to be killed on the 14th day at evening. Jesus was killed, if you see there in your, in your little timeline, 
I put it on Wednesday because he was killed shortly before evening because his, his body had to have been taken off the cross. Now Jesus' body was in the grave for three days and three nights. And his soul was in hell. And let me tell you something. I believe that. A lot of people believe that Jesus did not go to hell, that Jesus went to some, uh, you know, I don't know, some res- reservation or something and um, called paradise, some resort. But the Bible says he was in hell. And... Uh, and, and I want to prove that to you. And I, and I, want, to, I, want, I want to show you a few things. Uh, if you turn, I don't know if you noticed, but if you turn your paper around, I've got some uh, stuff on there too. It shows you everything that needed to be done to the Passover lamb and how it was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And that's kind of the outline we've been following tonight too. I don't know if you noticed that. But um, go, go with me to, to Matthew chapter number 12. Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 40. You've got you to gotta hurry up. You've got to move quickly because uh, I'm running out of time. And it's your fault, not mine. No, I'm just kidding. Matthew chapter 12, look at verse uh, 40. Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 40. You've got to understand a few things, okay? Matthew 12, 40. Matthew 12, 40. I'm sorry if the Bible bores you. Matthew chapter uh, 12, look at verse 40. Jesus Christ said, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Do you see that? Jesus said that He would be in the grave three days and three nights. Now, just that alone destroys the whole uh, Good Friday idea. Because Friday, Saturday, and Sunday may cover three days, if you look at it that way, but it doesn't cover three days and three nights, three 24-hour periods are not covered in that. Jesus did not say that He would be in the grave from Friday to Sunday. He said He'd be in the grave three days and three nights. And the only way that would work is if He died shortly before 6 p.m. on Wednesday because He was in the grave Wednesday night by our standards. Thursday, uh, you know, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday night, Saturday, and then uh, Saturday evening on the, would be the first day of the week there, the seventh day, fulfilling the three days and three nights that he said he would uh, be in the grave, he rose up from the grave. Friday doesn't work in that schedule. You, you can look at the calendar yourself. If Jesus died on Friday, according to the Catholics, he would have been, on the gra- he would have been in the grave Friday night, Saturday Saturday night, and even if we want to be nice to the Catholics, which I don't necessarily want to, but even if we want to be nice to the Catholics and give them all day Sunday, even though he resurrected before dawn, but if you want to give them all day Sunday, you still only get two days and two nights. Not the three days and three nights that he said he would be in the grave. Look at uh, Matthew twelve forty. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So his body was in the grave for three days and three nights. But you got to understand, everything in the Bible is for a reason. Why did he use Jonah as an example? Go to Jonah, uh, chapter number uh, 2. In your Old Testament, you find those books towards the end there of the Old Testament. you got those small prophets there. Jonah, chapter number 2, towards the end of your... Uh, Old Testament there, Jonah, chapter number 2, and look at verse number 2. Jesus made a reference to Jonah. He said, in the same way that Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, or in the whale's belly. Now notice, Jesus said Jonah was where? In the whale's belly. He said, the Son of Man shall be in the heart of the earth. Okay? Jonah, chapter number 2, look at verse 2. It's very interesting that he makes a reference to Jonah, because what does Jonah say when he's in the whale's belly? Where was Jesus Christ? Well, Jonah prophesied about the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at, look at Jonah chapter 2. Look at verse number 1. 
Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. Okay? I'm not going to go through and preach to you the story of Jonah. Hopefully you know the story. He was swallowed up by a whale. Swallowed up by a fish. Verse 1. Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's what? Belly. Where's Jonah? In the fish's belly. Look at verse 2. And said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of... What's that say? Hell cried I. And thou heardest my voice. Now hold on a second, Jonah. Why are you saying you're in the belly of hell when the Bible tells us you're in the fish's belly and even Jesus Christ said that you were in the whale's belly? Here's why. Jonah is prophesying about the Lord Jesus Christ and he's saying, Jonah's saying, I cried out of the belly of hell. Now is Jonah in the belly of hell? No, he's not. But he's prophesying about the Lord Jesus Christ that he, that Jesus Christ would be in, in the belly of hell because Jesus Christ would later on say, the same way that Jonah was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights, I will be in the heart of the earth. And then Jonah says, I was in hell. But Jonah wasn't in hell, he was in the whale's belly. But who's he talking about? Jesus Christ. Jesus went to hell. No, Pastor. Jesus went to paradise, this nice resort where he didn't have to know. No, the, according to the Bible, he went to hell. You want me to prove it to you even further? Go with me to Acts chapter number 2. Look at verse 23. Acts chapter number 2. Uh, look at verse, actually, look at verse 21. Acts chapter number 2. No, look at verse 27. <laughs> Acts chapter number 2. Look at verse 27. I don't know if you noticed, but we've been coming to Acts 2 a lot because it talks a lot about the death of Jesus Christ. And Acts chapter 2 and verse 20 says, Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So where was Jesus? In hell. Now some of you are thinking this, well how do we know that the Holy One is Jesus Christ? You'd be the same one that'd be advocating, why can't it be a black lamb? Okay, let's prove it even further. Go to verse number uh, 31. See if this clears it up for you. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of who? Christ. That His, who's the His they're referring to? Jesus Christ. That His soul was not left in hell, neither His flesh did see corruption. According to the Bible, where was Jesus' soul? Hell. Where was his body? The grave. Jesus Christ said that in the same way that uh, Jonas was in the well's belly for three days and three nights, that he would be in the heart of the earth. Now let me ask you something. Is the heart of the earth really, you know, eight feet underground? Is that where you bury people? Eight feet underground? Is that the right number? Six feet? See, it tells you what I know. Is the heart of the earth really six feet in the ground? I mean, honestly, if I said, man, I'm going to put something right in the heart of the earth. Six feet in the ground is not very deep into the ground. Okay? A cave going underground is not very deep into the ground. But you know where you know what is in the heart of the earth? A big ball of fire. And, it, and the scientists call it, you know, the, the earth hasn't uh, cooled down since the Big Bang, and there's this big lava thing. But the Bible calls it this, hell. That's what the Bible refers to it. In the center of the earth, there's a place called hell. I wish the scientists would just, you know, open up their eyes and realize that when they found this, you know, we, we got all these diagrams, we cut over the earth, and right in the center there's this big ball of fire. And I'm thinking myself, the Bible told me that a long time ago. You just read the Bible, you figure out, you know, all of this uh, long ago. And, pe- and people will look at us and say, you guys are ridiculous. You believe that there's a place called hell in the center of the earth? And I'm thinking myself, science books teach us that. I learned that in a public school. <laughs> Bible doctrine, not much. Uh, Acts... Jesus was in hell. And let me say, let me say this. Because this is a prominent teaching throughout uh, religion, you know, Christianity, and a lot of Baptists believe it. 
I've got to ask you something. If Jesus died a physical death, and then went and spent three days and three nights in a resort somewhere called paradise, how does that pay for the punishment of our sins? Because guess what? I'm still probably going to die a physical death. Do you know that? Unless, the, unless I get raptured up, which there's a whole lot of things i got to have. Brother, the rapture's coming at any moment. Read your Bible. There's a whole lot of stuff that's got to happen before the rapture comes. It might not happen in my lifetime. I'm still going to die a physical death. But if you believe that Jesus didn't go to hell, he, he went to this resort called Paradise, and he was just, you know, drinking uh, lemonade and hanging out in Abraham's armpit or whatever you want to call it, you know, his bosom or whatever. If you believe that, then what did he save us from? Because then all he suffered was a physical death. Guess what? I'm going to die a physical death probably. The punishment of sin is hell. He has to suffer hell. And he took my punishment, not a physical death, but the punishment of hell. That's the punishment of sin. And that's where he died on the cross. The Bible is very clear. I mean, we should be able to just, when it says his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh did see corruption, we should be able to just end right there and, and be done. I mean, the Bible is very clear. He went to hell. He referred to Jonah. Jonah said he was in the belly of hell. He said three days and three nights, not Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, the Wednesday night, the way it works with our, our, our calendar, because their day starts at 6 p.m. And by the way, that means that the, sat, the, the Sunday for him, where he resurrected, was Saturday at 6 p.m., not our Sunday. So you, you got to understand that too. So, what happened? Uh, I'm running out of time. Go to Exodus chapter 12. Look at verse 7. Exodus 12, 7. Exodus 12, 7. Exodus 12, 7. I don't preach a lot of sermons like this, so just bear with me. I'm sorry that we're not the church that reads three verses and sings for 45 minutes, acts, and then preaches for five minutes. Exodus chapter 12. Look at verse number... Uh, where do I want you to go? Look at verse number 7. Exodus 12, 7. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat. So, this is what they were supposed to do the lamb. They were supposed to take the lamb, they were supposed to kill it, and then they were supposed to apply the blood. Now, move with me quickly. Go to Hebrews 13. Look at verse 12. Hebrews 13. We're trying to prove to you that Jesus completed every requirement of... The Passover, Hebrews 13. Look at verse uh, number 12. Hebrews 13, 12. Hebrews 13, 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Do you see that? Look at 1 John, chapter number 1. Go towards the end of your New Testament. Right before the book of Jude and Revelation. 1 John, chapter number 1. Look at verse number 7. 1 John chapter number 1 and verse 7. The Bible says, But if you walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all our sins. So they were supposed to take the blood of the Lamb and apply it on the doorpost. And then the Bible says that when you and I are saved, it's because the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied on the doorpost of our heart, and we've been covered by the blood. And that's what brings us our salvation. They were supposed to apply the Lamb. Not only that, look at Exodus 12. Look at verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 8. Exodus 12, 8. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, rose with fire. What is that talking about? How was Jesus rose with fire? Well, when he ascended down to hell. That's how he fulfilled that. 
And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. They were supposed to apply the blood, they were supposed to roast with fire, and they were supposed to eat the lamb. Look at verse number uh, 8 again. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Go to John chapter number 6. They were supposed to eat the lamb. John chapter number 6. The Bible likens salvation as eating the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to John chapter number 6. Let me show it to you quickly. John chapter number 6. Look at verse number 51. John chapter 6, verse number 51. John six fifty-one says this. I am, this is what Jesus Christ said, I am the living bread. Did you notice when they ate the Passover meal, what were they eating? eating? Unleavened what? Bread. I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, referring to the bread of the Passover... He shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink of his blood, ye shall have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue, as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples... When they heard this, said, this isn't a hard saying, who can hear it? So they didn't like his sermon. Because he was saying, you've got to eat my flesh, you've got to drink my blood. And he wasn't talking about his physical flesh and physical blood. But he was using that analogy, and they didn't like what he had to say. Look at verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? I like to ask that question sometimes. What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickens. See, now he's explaining to him. He said, I'm not saying you've got to eat my physical flesh and eat my uh, physical blood. The Bible, by the way, I'll have time to show it to you. In the Old Testament, prohibits the eating of blood. Let me tell you something. Order your steak well done. <laughs> You know, no bloody tacos, and no, you know, uh, there's like a Filipino meal that's like soup that's blood. The Bible prohibits that. Jesus is not advocating that. But he said, he, in verse 3, he explained what he's talking about. He says, it is the spirit that quickened it. He says, the flesh profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So he's saying, you've got to eat the words. But what was Jesus? In the beginning was the word. See, he was the word. So he said, the Spirit, the words that I give you, you've got to accept those words. Remember we were talking about, I think, Sunday, uh, either this Sunday, no, this Sunday morning was Mother's Day. Sunday morning before that, we are talking about how the, the sower sowed the seed, the seed is the Word, you receive the Word, you receive the Word, Jesus is the Word, Jesus is the bread. See how it all makes sense? I, are you following me at all? It all works together. If you ever get confused with the Bible, you're the problem, not the Bible. He ate... They, they were supposed to apply the blood, which if you're saved, the blood has been applied to you. They were supposed to roast with fire, which Jesus was roast with fire when he ascended down to hell. They were supposed to eat the Passover, which he, if you've received them, you've ate of his flesh, drank of his blood, through his word. Jesus was the Passover lamb. Now I want to show you one more thing. Jesus died on Wednesday night. By the way, that's why we have Wednesday night church, in honor of that. He died Wednesday night, not Friday. 
But here's what I want you to get, and this is, this is amazing to me, and I know we already talked about it before, so I'll just say it quickly. He died on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. He was taken off the cross before the Sabbath and high day. Remember John 19? The Sabbath and a high day. He died, was taken off the cross before the Sabbath started. Thursday at 6 p.m. And from Thursday, 6 p.m. to Friday, 6 p.m. was the Passover, which was a Sabbath day. From the 10th day of the first month. From Friday at 6 p.m. to Saturday at 6 p.m. was also a Passover because it was the 15th day of the first month, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then Saturday at 6 p.m. to Sunday at 6 p.m. was a regular Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. And it's amazing that every day that Jesus was on the cross was, a, was three Sabbath days in a row. All the days. He died, and then the next three days, when He was put in the grave until He resurrected, was three Sabbath days. It's just amazing to me that God would just stop everything. While His Son is suffering for our sins, He would just stop everything and say, Stop. Three Sabbath days in a row. The Passover day, Feast of Unleavened Bread. The seventh day, He worked it out so that it fell that way. And then He resurrected on... Go to Matthew 28, look at verse 1. Matthew 28, 1. Matthew 28, 1 says, In the end of the... Notice what it says. Matthew, I want you to see this. Um, good night. Okay, Matthew 28, 1. we got to hurry. I'm already out of time. Matthew 28, 1. In the end of the... What does it say? Sabbath. As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. At the end of the Sabbath... Now, hold on a second. How does that work for the... For the for the Catholics. If Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights, how did He die right before the Sabbath? And three days and three nights is still the Sabbath. Because it's three sp- specific Sabbath days in a row. The Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the, and the seventh day. Uh, go down to verse number 5. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for He is risen, as He said. Notice, He's already risen. Because when did they come? At... At dawn. When did the Sabbath begin? At evening. So it's already been the Sabbath for 12 hours. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're coming halfway into the... I'm sorry, it's already been the first day for 12 hours. They're coming in halfway through the first day. And Jesus is already gone. He says, He is not here for He is risen. And as He said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell His disciples. And I want you to understand something. I'm not taking the time to do it. But you know, when people have this false idea. When the angels came down... Remember, and, and the, the soldiers, they shook and they, they fell down with fear and all that. When the angels came down and they rolled the stone away, they were not rolling the stone away so that Jesus could get out. They were rolling the stone away so that they could see that Jesus was already gone. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. He was, they were rolling the stone away so that people could see, so that the women could see that He had already resurrected. He resurrected sometime between 6 p.m. by our calendar, Saturday, and 6 a.m. by our calendar, Sunday, dawn, he was already gone. And they came at dawn and found that Jesus had resurrected. The first day of the new week. He'd resurrected from the grave. Go back to Exodus 12. Look at verse number 11. Exodus 12. Let me just show you a few more verses and I'll be done. Exodus 12, 11. Exodus 12, 11 says this. You say, well, what's the point of all this, Pastor? What's the point of the Passover? What's the point of, of Jesus doing all this? Well, first of all, you've got to understand something. Salvation is always preached all throughout. We're not dispensationalists around here. 
I don't believe that. In the Old Testament, we were saved by words. In the New Testament, we're, we're not in the age of grace. We're not in the age of anything. It's always been the age of grace. Salvation has been preached since Exodus 12, since Genesis 1. Uh, all of it has already been there. Uh, we, and we need to understand that, first of all. That's the purpose. But uh, look at Exodus chapter, uh, what did I tell you? Exodus 12, look at verse number 11. Exodus 12, 11. Look what it says. Exodus 12, 11. Uh, the Bible says, And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hands, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Notice what he says. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You say, what's the point of the Passover? Here's the point of the Passover. Why were they supposed to choose a lamb, examine him, uh, come, the assembly come together, slay him, take his blood and pour it on the on the doorpost, and then and then uh, burn it with fire, and then eat it. Why? So that when God's judgment came on Egypt, everyone's firstborn son died, unless he saw the blood, and when he saw the blood, he passed over that house. That's why it's called the Passover. He passed over the house, and they were spared. Not because of who they were. Not because of where they were born. Not because of anything they, were, they had done. Because of one thing. The blood of the Lamb was on the doorpost. Amen. And anyone in that house covered by that blood was spared. Amen. That's the gospel. Go, go to, just real quickly, Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Look at verse number 13. Ephesians 2.13 says, I'm just going to read it. But now in Christ Jesus... Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of, of Christ. You say, why can we, you know, some of you say, you guys are arrogant. You believe that salvation? That, you know, you, because people, you, you know, we'll go out so many wise people, do you know for sure that you're going to Well, nobody can know. Do you know? And I'll say, I know for sure if I drop dead right now, I know I'd go down. Well, isn't that kind of an arrogant statement? And you just know? Is it because you live such a good life? It has nothing to do with that. It's because this, the blood is applied on the doorpost, and he said that he would pass and the Bible tells us, but now in Christ Jesus, ye, 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 us, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The only reason you get close to God and close to Jesus and close to heaven is not any of your good works. It's because the blood of Jesus has been applied on our hands, on our, on our heart. Go to Revelation chapter number 1. Revelation chapter number 1. Look at verse number... Revelation chapter number 1, look at verse 5, the Bible says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You say, Pastor, I didn't come to church for all this Bible. I came to church on Wednesday night because I'm hurting. I came to church on Wednesday night because I need something. I came to church on Wednesday night because I need some encouragement or I need some, you know, somebody to, to tell me that's going to be okay and I need someone to, to help me with my issues. Let me tell you something. There is no sweeter thing that will get you through life than to realize that no matter what happens, no matter what you go through, no matter what you're struggling with, at the end of the day, the judgment of God will pass over. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of salvation. That's why we go sowing. That's why we preach the Bible. That's why we teach the Bible. That's why we do what we do. That's why we spend, you know, hours upon hours knocking on doors, giving people the gospel. Why? Because we're trying to earn salvation? Why? Because we're trying to make the church grow? Why? No! So their blood can be posted. 
judgment is coming. The Passover, the tenth plague, is coming. Say, so what, what, what plague are we in? I don't know. Everyone, like Pharaoh, will have to stand before God at some point. The tenth plague is coming, and you don't have to take part. You don't have to do anything. Just take up the lamp. Just put the blood. Wouldn't it have been a shame? Let me just let me just say this number. I don't know if you noticed this. I gotta hurry up because my time's up. I don't know if you noticed this. God did not announce the Passover to the children of Israel. Verse one, Exodus twelve. God announced the Passover to two soul winners, Moses and Aaron. And it was their job to go tell the children of Israel, you need a lamb. You need the Lamb of God. You need to apply the blood. And you know what? If Moses and Aaron would have said, I'm too tired to go out today. I'm too busy. God, you don't understand. I, I'm busy. I, I, I've got so many things to do. I've been working all week. and I, I, Saturday, that, I was going to do gardening that day. I was going to catch up on, on things around the house that day. Let me tell you something. The judgment of God would have came anyway. And all of the Israelites would have died. So, well, God would have spared. No, it didn't matter. If there was an Israelite who didn't apply the, apply the blood, his child died that day. God is, we talked about it last week, he's no respecter of persons. He gave the message to men who were to give the message to other men that they may be spared. And it's the same way today. He's given us the message of reconciliation to go out into the world. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, is what the Bible says. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. Thank you for those who come out on Wednesday night to study the Bible, Lord. And I just ask that you would help us to come close, Lord, to live as close to you. We have the privilege to draw nigh to you because of the blood. And I pray you'd help us to draw nigh. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen.